The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash Bill Risser. Your social media really should be your life stories B-roll. People say, oh, I want to keep my Facebook private, so I'm going to use a page. Well, pages have become pretty impersonal, and part of that is because Facebook needed a way to monetize it. So now people are less likely to log into your page, not log into whatever, sign onto your page, than they are to go to your own profile. So I feel like you have to get over the myth that you have privacy on your profile because that's not a thing anymore. Social media is not private, doesn't matter what you think, we've all heard stories, and I feel like you just need to start letting people have the B-roll of your life. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 114 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and finding our show on, on the, in our little corner of the internet. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for telling a friend. And also, thank you for the reviews and ratings. It's how we continue to grow. Um, this week, I'm, I'm really excited. I get to talk to somebody who I, who I met through Inman. And I've always I've been extremely jealous of, of the, her ability to travel the country. She's done some amazing stuff. Uh, and her name is JC Reedman. She's vice president with Amora Productions. She's also one of the geeky girls, so you know who they are. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to her about her this travel bug she has and a whole lot more about videography. So JC, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So I know that you, uh, I, I believe you grew up in Nebraska. Am I right there? Yep, yep, Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, so I, I, I have to confess, I've never been to Omaha. I've never been to Nebraska. I know the Cornhuskers are there because I'm a sports fan, but, <laughs> yes. but I'm sure I'm missing some really cool stuff about Nebraska. So as a native, what, what am I missing? What, what should I know? Well, you're ahead of most because you didn't think it was in Iowa or Kansas. You knew it was its own state. So I appreciate that. Okay. Um, you know, as a sports fan, we have the College World Series there in June. That's right. I do know that. Yep. Double our population for a week or two, but um, the Kool Aid Kool Aid factories there. You can go and see where the birthplace of the Kool Aid man. That's pretty exciting. That's cool. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that that was also really cool. The Kool Aid man. Yeah. Uh, we have the Offutt Air Force Base, so we get a lot of a lot of military families. Uh, Marlon Brando was from there. He grew up in in Omaha. We get right. pretty excited about that one. Yeah. I, I mean, I love my city. I really do. I love it. Uh, I get all four seasons. It's cold. I Now, you know, I, I live in Austin, Texas, but uh, everyone's like, oh, aren't you so excited to be to Texas? You got here as soon as possible. I'm like, I love having snow. I, I love going home and like catching that Christmas, the white Christmas. I mean, you can't, that's a storybook. I mean, being in Nebraska is a storybook childhood, right? It's what right. you watch on the home. Right, right. I would imagine like uh, something like A Christmas Story. I would think that would be Omaha, Nebraska could be where that was filmed, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, it, I'm going to guess, just a wild guess, by what you do now, because you're, you're a young woman um, compared to a whole lot of people in the real estate industry. 
and, and I, it appears that early in life, you probably were the creative type. I'm just guessing you were running around <laughs> shooting video and recording stuff early. Am I right? You caught that. You caught that, huh? Yeah. So talk, <laughs> about, talk about that. Talk about some of the things you did as a kid. Sure. So I was actually a huge nerd, not was, and I am a huge nerd. And um, my mom got me into theater really young to help me like express some of that impulsive out there, wild, loud child energy. Um, and I loved it. I loved theater. I loved getting into production. Uh, me and my cousins did our own version of the Blair Witch Project, though we had never seen it because we were too young. <laughs> nice. uh, that was the first video I ever made. So I'm sure that will come back to blackmail me at some point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my dad gave me a, a digital camera that had to take a floppy disk in it. And uh, I was I was a machine with that in seventh and eighth grade. I felt like I had to capture everything. So I did. I get, got really uh, interested young. And I would say that I have a photographic memory without film, which is really cheesy. But it's kind of true. Like, I feel like if I don't capture it, I have a harder time recalling that memory. Um, and I love how photos just kind of pull you back into that, you know? Right. Uh, would you say you split your time half and half between video and photography back in the day? Or were you really kind of thinking about making movies at, at that young an age? You know, um, somebody told me really young that the best way to star in a film is to make your own, which is probably accurate. Uh, so I really wanted to be an actress. Uh, and, and until I got behind that camera more and fell in love with it, I would say capturing video was, was probably, probably wins out. It's probably 75, 25 for me, uh, just the stories you can tell, but yeah. So you, you went to South Dakota State University, so you left Nebraska, you went north, right? Not too far, right? <laughs> and uh, majored in media production and film, um, and you actually got into the industry. Talk about what you did right out of school. Yeah, yeah, we were the jackrabbits, fearsome. Um, I actually, I did my first internship on a film set for the WB at 14, I lied about about my age to work on a, a short film that was filming um, and kind of in college I did the same thing well I didn't lie about my age anymore but I just reached out to any production company that had a show that would travel like um, Extreme Home Makeover I found out they were coming to South Dakota and I wrote them and wrote them and wrote them and harassed them and they let me be a production assistant and actually got school credit to uh, be the media coordinator so I handled all the local press that wanted to come in uh, which was really cool and I got to help out on build day and, you know, see some of that behind the scenes work. And then uh, another show came through, Amy Grant's Three Wishes, which was a, a short-lived series on NBC. And I worked on that one um, as a production coordinator or production assistant uh, in the art department. And I helped get college students involved, like, with the, you know, projects. So it was really, I think it's just harassing people really helped me get into it. But um, outside of college, uh, my senior year, I worked on a film set. Uh, for a movie that was filming in Nebraska, A Christmas Story, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was a, it was a really good, uh, kind of a heartbreaking film called uh, Lovely Still, but it was a local film uh, that had Martin Landau and Ellen Burstyn in it. Sure. And met some great people on that. Again, I was like a glorified coffee girl. I was at the lowest on the totem pole uh, doing a thing called um, craft services. And really craft services those people are very talented and they know what they're doing i was new and i was like i waitressed once i could do it holy smokes but you know it was just getting on that set is the first step and then you kind of work your way up from there and uh and i realized i am not going to be a great craft service person but uh that i liked coordinating and i liked getting people involved and i liked the kind of the producer side of bringing the project together and so i pursued more of that um i got a job as the creative services director at abc5 in iowa 
uh, the local affiliate for ABC there. And I made about 72 commercials for like hearing aids, you know, all the local underwriting commercials. And it was great because I got to do, I got to, you know, create the script and, and bring little stories alive. And they gave me an awesome camera. And I mean, it was a dream job for a, a college student minus the uh, Arctic cold of Iowa. You would edit those uh, commercials. You would, the whole nine yards, you would be the entire you know, pre post and, and get the voice. Yeah. And yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And harass my friends. I'm like, listen, I have to cast this part and uh, I have no budget. So guess what? You're in. <laughs> so, so you move on from there though. You, you also um, did some documentary work, didn't you? Maybe some reality show work as well. Yeah. Yep. I, I went out to LA for a while. I was actually um, a personal assistant to a, a actress out there for a while, which was very eye opening on the other side of the industry. And I realized I'm so happy that I, like it behind the camera because in front is painful and stressful. And I don't envy that. Um, I don't envy that lifestyle. Uh, but, but I had an amazing person out there that I worked with and I, and I got to see a lot of it, had a lot of exposure and got to work on some TV series. And again, connections from the shows I worked on in college, I ended up working for MTV um, for teen moms and 16 and pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, which was definitely interesting. Yeah. How yeah. old are you at this time? Oh boy. Uh, I think I started on that when I was 21, 22. So you're not much older than some of these girls you're, you're dealing with, right? Uh, no. Yeah. So it was a little weird. It was, yeah. Uh, just to kind of picture yourself in that world, but yeah, so it was, I mean, it was really fun. I mean, my friends, it's really sexy to say, Oh, you're working on MTV. Like that's something people are excited about when I was making the hearing aid commercials or the pet commercials, you know, those were, they were good work but it's not as exciting, right? right. Uh, so the 18-hour, you know, sweaty days in the heat uh, filming the 16 and Pregnant show, that was exciting. So yeah, that MTV's one that my friends bring up a lot. Um, and I still actually do some work with one of the girls, Farah. She lives down here in Austin and she's a, a mom, mom entrepreneur. She has uh, four businesses of her own. So I've done some of her projects still on the side, which is fun. Um, but then I worked with... Uh, Chuck Amora and Seymour Productions. I met him actually on that Christmas movie and we worked on some MTV stuff again. So our, our paths kind of kept crossing in that Nebraska film district. And I started the uh, Young Nebraska Filmmakers. And uh, so I founded it and I asked him to be our advisor. And so we started working together on projects. We got to do Bloomberg together, which is cool. We got to, uh, well, he did the, the video work on it. I got to help out with the audio on a Warren Buffett uh, interview and, um, uh, it's so embarrassing, but I was sitting outside and waiting for um, a couple more of the interviewees, and I was telling the sweetest um, elderly couple about how nervous I was and how it was like my first week. Uh, this project with Bloomberg was really big for me, and that we were going to be interviewing uh, Charles Munger, and he was a very big deal. And hope I didn't mess it up. And uh, it was him. I was saying that. <laughs> so, I'm sure, but yeah. I'm sure you were very endearing, and he he was. Yeah. So he actually, uh, when they came out, they're like, oh, good, you're here. And they brought him in, and I was, like, purple. Um, he actually incorporated me, kind of brought me into the room and let me do a little bit more because, you know, he's like, oh, I like I like entrepreneurs. And so it was really cool, uh, but also super embarrassing. I also didn't know who Charlie Rose was that day, and I asked him how he knew my boss because my boss would have said hi to him. I'm like, oh, how do you guys know each other? He's like, we don't. I, I work on a show. I'm like, oh, what one? He's like, the Charlie Rose show. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll be over here. All right. I'll be over here. No, that's good. I like it. 
I mean, that's that's I, it's funny you talk about that stuff. I because you're right, your friends can think of nothing more exciting than oh my gosh, you're in Hollywood or, or you're doing these great things. They do not have the slightest idea how tough, especially at that PA level, right? This is how grinding that day is, right? And and how you're you're like at the beck and call of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everybody who wants to work in film should have to do the production assistant role. I mean, even if your parents are giving you the money to be an associate producer or whatever, you know, um, I feel like you just respect your whole crew more because you've been on that level. Uh, and you've been that, you know, girl Friday running and grabbing everything. And so I started working with Chuck. Yeah. And, and we did, like you said, the documentary work, but that mostly came after I was with the more productions. So you started with them about 10 years ago, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been about a decade. Yeah, so talk about the work that you do there. So the majority of the work we do right now is uh, architectural travel and tourism. So a lot of real estate videos, uh, real estate photography, uh, teaching classes about um, social media and things for that real estate realm, uh, which was a natural selection for us because Chuck is a broker. He has his broker's license. Uh, his mom is an agent, and his family did a lot of like property rentals and things like that, so he'd seen that side, and my uh, father is the uh, president of the oldest brokerage in the country, which is actually um, just in Nebraska and Iowa. Uh, and so my mom, grandpa, sister, cousin, all in the real estate business. So they were going to get me one way or the other. But I saw a real need for it because I would go and help take my mom's photos and he would go and be taking his mom's listing photos. And we're like, you know, uh, it just wasn't in the Midwest yet, especially the video side and doing really quality, repetitive video uh, that, that, you know, it's not exciting as going on and doing an MTV thing, but it's something that's actual need and it's a repeatable process. So uh, we did do a lot of the commercial work before. Like I said, uh, we did a lot of documentaries and that industry just rapidly is changing. So we found our niche and uh, it's taken me on quite an adventure. Let's let's talk about the first time I, I heard about you and actually met you. It was in San Francisco a few years ago at an imminent event and you were documenting I think I have it right, right? You were documenting, uh, your, you left maybe two months before the event, and you were documenting a journey that took you through the entire Southwest, and I think up the coast until you finally made it to Inman right around the time of the event, right? Am I right with that? Yes, you are. Um, I did that both ways. I did it to New York and to, um, to San Francisco, so for both the Inmans. And then for uh, NAR, the last four years, I've driven to the location too and documented it. So Chicago next, uh, next, but yeah. So talk about that. Do you, do you travel with somebody? Or are you by yourself? Yeah, so it depends. Um, usually it's some of the production crew, uh, you know, because the end result is usually we're going to film and uh, we're going to work on projects. Like for NAR, we do all their conference live videos. Or for InMen, I do a lot of uh, video interviews as part of the ambassador program. So I need my gear there anyways. Uh, so it's nice, you know, I've sat there, sometimes I'm the one editing the footage the whole time we go, or, uh, you know, we just try and find off the beaten path, like random sites to stop and see. I just want to see the world. I want to explore everywhere. And I, um, I'm one of those full of wanderlust type people. I can't, can't do the same thing every day. Right. Um, uh, so my goal was to hit all 50 States before I turned 30, I hit 48 of them. So I didn't, I didn't make it to Hawaii and Alaska. Uh, but I did get 14 countries in, 15. So, wow. uh, but yeah, so working in Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And, and, and a lot of it just by driving around those states and really getting a local feel, the local flavor. I mean, I, 
really am envious of the way you're able to do that at such a young age. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I, I, I strongly encourage becoming a tourist, even in your own uh, neighborhood, because it, it's shocking to me how many times I'll post a photo up around, you know, I'm in Texas currently. So I'll post things up around Texas. And they're like, oh, wow, where were you after that? I'm like, um, two blocks from your house. That's <laughs> like, you just got to get out. You got to get out of your pattern and, and go see things, you know? Yeah. What's uh, besides Chicago and NAR coming up, what's your next big trip, either, you know, outside or inside of the country? What do you got planned? Hmm. Boy, uh, so every week I'm trying to figure out something. Last week I just went and uh, went to Oklahoma to the sand flats that are out there. Uh, there are the sand hills and the salt flats. Uh, and that was just a random thing. I, I hadn't planned it. Uh, so I, I don't plan well in advance. I'm not a good planner. Uh, I do have a project that is coming up for Wisconsin. So, I mean, if it's something like that, I try to you know plan the end result. Okay, where am I going to stay? Who's going with me? But yeah, I don't, I don't map it out. I think it would drive people crazy probably, but I most of the times don't pick my hotel rooms until I'm already traveling or I bring a tent with me. Like I was just in um, San Diego uh, for the California Association of Realtors and I brought my camping gear with me in my suitcase and then I had a duffel bag with my stuff, my clothes actually in it. And uh, I stayed at the, you know, the conference hotel and did that. And then I was like, all right, where do I go? And I ended up in a KOA in a little cabin and had a blast and, and happened to be their harvest party weekend so I carved pumpkins with a bunch of strangers and I mean you know if you plan too much you miss those experiences right the, the KOA was it down on the south base somewhere Chula Vista I'm just trying to imagine where you were yeah it's exactly where it was so so that's I know exactly yeah because you you made it over to Coronado you got to see the Hotel Dell and I mean so there's some really cool yeah. cool things right yeah, yeah, I had to go have an old fashioned up in that in the bar where it's supposed to be haunted. And, right. Uh, you know, I, I really I missed the mark. It was Friday the thirteenth, the night before, and I went on Saturday the fourteenth. Missed yeah. my mark. You'll have to go back. There'll be another. There'll be another yeah. Friday the thirteenth in the future. That's good. Yeah, I think November is when it's supposed to be the most haunted there. I guess somebody told me so. Well, let's let me ask you a question about about video because you know the the listeners to this podcast are generally realtors and people in the profession. Yeah. And, and you you do talk and teach about uh, video and, and photography and just the visuals that realtors need to be doing probably a better job with, I would assume. So yeah. you have like a couple tips you could share with, say someone doesn't have the budget yet or they, they want to just maybe do some of that authentic man on the street kind of video. Is, is that something that's working today? And if it is, you know, any tips you could give them? Maybe it's equipment, maybe it's their style or the way they deliver a message, whatever you think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and I do teach a lot of social media classes and, and I, I would almost say social media videos where you can get away with not having to have the highest level production. That's not news to anybody. You've seen that with the Facebook live and, and, the you know, Instagram live or diet Snapchat, as I call what they, they created, uh -huh. but, uh, there are opportunities to create your own video. You know, uh, I, obviously I'm biased, but I don't think taking your cell phone and walking through your house with a shaky camera is the best option. I mean, they have little modules and they have wide angle cameras. It's still going to be shaky and it's going to be dark and you have contrasting light. But there are a lot of opportunities to make really good video and make yourself a local expert. Like I use um, hyperlapse to do time lapses. If I'm, you know, I drove down the ocean and I mean, Sandy Beach, you know how cars shake using hyperlapse and it smoothed it out completely. Uh, if you've seen on, on uh, my social media, a lot of times when I'm taking off or landing over a pretty city or through a storm, 
I'll use hyperlapse and catch that time lapse. People love time lapse. That tends to be my most popular videos. Time lapse of snowstorm, time lapse of the bay in Doha, uh, in Cambodia. I got to get the sunset going. I, you know, I had a really cool one in, in Qatar. And you know, it's. I think that that's part of making yourself a local expert, right? Like, what in your town, what in your area is beautiful that you could capture? Could you catch a boat going across the lake? Can you catch wild animals? You know, deer, anything like that in a time lapse. People love that stuff. And so hyperlapse, again, free, made by Instagram. There is one called time lapse for the iPhone. I use that one only because I like to be able to go in and edit out if, you know, a bug lands on or something. Um, I like the ability to to edit on that one or to add more time or subtract. So um, I would say that time lapse is a really good one. Um, hyperlapse, boomerang, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that. That's just the, you know, them turning the key in the knob, you know, in the knob when they bought the house or showing the key or you know, jump it up and down, putting a sign in the yard. I mean, those are really fun, cute little social posts. And it's the only thing you can put on Instagram that's under three seconds uh, because Instagram owns Boomerang. So I see a lot of fun ones with those. I uh, I over Boomerang my pet turtle Gunther because well, <laughs> he's amazing. And see, he's so freaking cute. And I know people don't want to watch 10 minute videos of my turtle. So if I get Gunther kind of swimming. Um, so yeah, if you follow my social media, yeah, he had pneumonia as a baby it's it's been a rough road for him but um you know I feel like it gives you a chance to go to go to the local shops you know catch them pouring the coffee you know catch videos stop making the videos of yourself it's okay to talk in them it's okay to share them but you don't want it to always be your voice and I understand that a lot of people want to feel like it's their own reality show but on reality shows, they're not filming themselves either, right? It's really hard to get a, a flattering angle of yourself when you are looking down at your phone, making sure that you get it right. Um, I feel like I see people do that a lot and get the up the nose shot or they're like, check out my listing I'm in. I'm like, all I can see is your face and it's annoying. <laughs> you know, I don't care. I don't care who you are. It's annoying. So, and the other thing, the really awkward thing we probably all experience is somebody doing a Facebook live and nobody's watching or nobody's interacting or like, sitting here at an open house. I'm here for your Q and A's. And I don't know who encouraged people to do this, but it's not fair to do to yourself because if nobody's responding or you didn't key up friends ahead of time, then people know you're sitting there alone. Um, and I've, I've told people that if you really want to get comfortable with being on video, Snapchat with all of its fun filters and things like that is kind of a good icebreaker. Plus you can do a live Q and A. You can say, Hey, I'm going to be on there doing a Q and A at this time or doing a walkthrough at this time, or I'm going to be at this event. Um, you know, make your requests um, or ask me your questions because if nobody asks a question, public doesn't see that. So you can have some queued up. And I, I really suggest having three or four answers queued up if you're following me like, oh, great, John, I'm glad you asked about this. Here's what I wanted to tell you about the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because I feel like when they see somebody else asking a question or they hear somebody else asking a question from you repeating it, they're more likely to get over their shyness and actually ask the realistic questions they want to ask. Right. Um, especially if you feel like it might be um, anonymous. I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm 32 and I talk to my friends and there's so much about the home buying process that they have no idea about. Like I had a really, really good friend uh, who works with me actually, so I won't say their name, who bought a house recently and they were like, I, I'm just nervous at the closing how much I have to pay the agent. I was like, oh, cool. oh, back up. Yeah, you don't, you don't pay the agent. You know, it's just things like that. People, agents assume we know we don't, you know, um, I, I don't understand all of the loans out there and all of the special pricing and how much I really have to have down. And there's so much information on the web. If you try to Google it, you get overwhelmed. 
Uh, so somebody who's offering that information in a non-intimidating environment, where I don't have to publicly admit I don't know something, or I don't have to publicly admit like, hey, I need some advice on my credit. It's bad. How do I fix it? You know, so I feel like if somebody did a Snapchat and they said, I'm going to be live on there and they can put on Facebook, whatever, I'm going to be on Snapchat live. And then they say, um, hey, I just got a great question about how to repair your credit. You know, a lot of people have this problem. Here's what you can do. Here's another thing you can do. You know, just kind of walk through that. You can always download that story afterwards and use that video, repurpose that video on your Facebook. And then you have that, you know, I've seen other people do it. I know there was probably nobody asking those questions, but it was done well. It feels well attended. And then the next time more people are willing to, to pop in there. So it, it gets you more comfortable talking on camera, at least. It's almost like a B-roll strategy, huh? When you're talking about trying to capture the community in the area, just get those cutaway shots that, they, that we just never think of as non-video producers. Is that fair? I think that, I think that is a fair way of saying it, definitely, is that your social media really should be your life story's B-roll. Uh, people say, oh, I want to keep my Facebook private, so I'm going to use a page. Well, pages have become pretty impersonal. And part of that is because Facebook needed a way to monetize it. So now people are less likely to log into your page, not log into whatever, sign onto your page, than they are to go to your own profile. So I feel like you have to get over the myth that you have privacy on your profile because that's not a thing anymore. Social media is not private. doesn't matter what you think. We've all heard stories. And I feel like you just need to start letting people have the B-roll of your life. So you don't have to overshare. Please don't overshare. But a part of it is, you know, be a good neighbor. Make sure that you're commenting on other people's content and liking other people's content. Like you should be saying something nice five to 10 times for every time you post or nobody's going to come in. You know what I mean? It's like nobody wants to be listening to the same person who talks all the time. It's always about that. That would drive me nuts, right? Drives you nuts. I'm sure it does, right? Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, intentional listening is a skill that you learn. And um, I've been married 30 years. I use this as an example in every presentation I give. Uh, I wish I'd learned how to be an intentional listener earlier. <laughs> it, would, it would have made, smoothed over a few things along the way, right? <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. My ADHD makes it hard. But, but I just feel like it's so easy for people to say I'm a local expert. And it's another thing to show that. Um, and the more media you have, the better. And, you know, with tools like Instagram has great, inst I mean, it's an instant photo editor. I have Adobe, photo, you know, Photoshop. I have that on my phone. I've got Lightroom. I've got all these things on my phone. I'm not launching that every time I take a photo. I'm I'm taking, you know, the extra couple seconds to edit my photo and put it up on Instagram. And a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, wow, how'd you take that photo? I'm like, you should definitely see the before and after. <laughs> like, it seems like junk until you run those filters over it. And it, it can really, you can do so much. Um, there's really no excuse to not take your photos a little bit farther you know push them a little bit farther and, and we're a visual society you know yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of rumors out there that uh, college kids are just signing up they're just they're in a line to edit your real estate videos for you and they just love to do it that's not true they all want to make band videos um uh, so that'll get a college student to, to do it that's not probably going to be a long-term strategy but i understand it's intimidating you know, it costs things. I have a lot of people that, well, what's a video going to cost? Well, how should I know what my budget should be? And it kind of comes down to cars. You know, you can buy a this kind of car. You can buy that kind of car. You get what you put into it, like all things, right? Right. So, yeah, I'm completely on your side when you talk about, you know, anyone who has a needs a listing video, you got to have that done professionally. There's, like you said, um, it's night. It's not even night and day. It's what's a bigger chasm that I can, you know, bring up that it just the difference in the qualities is is not even close. Um, but socially, yeah. 
all day long, right? Exactly. Social media photos and videos all day long. Um, you know, I'm not going to try and sell my own house, but I shoot, you know, 10 homes a day. I, pr I probably know how to do that a little bit better. But um, the other thing I would say, uh, you know, just getting over that, the fear of being on camera, again, Snapchat having those filters, Instagram has those filters, Facebook has those filters. Uh, you don't have to share your first videos publicly. Share them with a friend. Find somebody who'll give you honest feedback. Send them to me. I'll give you honest feedback. I'll be brutal. But I, I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to do it. I don't want to talk you out of doing it. Um, social media video is, is very forgiving. Just don't do a political rant. Yeah. That'd be great. Good call. <laughs> So, yeah. overall, you, you know, I'm gonna, you're young, you've admitted it, you've grown up in this world of social media, at least through your 20s, right? Let's call it, when Facebook hit. Um, to talk about just social media in general, are there some things, common mistakes you see agents making in that space where you kind of go as a, as, as a millennial, whether you like the tag or not, you kind of go, really? Hey, baby boomer realtor, average age realtor, you know, why are you doing that? Well, first, I love the term millennial, and I don't think it's a cuss word. I've stop acting like it is one. Cool. Uh, you know, it did come out, yeah, my freshman year of college. Thank God it came out after high school. Uh, but I do see, you know, like I said, the photos with no filter, just putting a photo up there, a blurry photo, things like that. Okay, it's forgivable. You're learning how to use it. But you can also always turn your phone on to airplane mode and edit a photo on Instagram and just kind of test that so it's not actually posting live. Um, I would say that would be a good thing. But as for bad etiquette, boy, uh, that list can get a little long, unfortunately. And most of it is just uh, inappropriate opinions getting posted online. Um, it does seem like an open forum. And I hear the defense, oh, it's my wall. It's my way. It's, you know, if you don't like it, don't come here and don't read it. Okay, that's fine. But it is still searchable. And people that you do want to do business with are going to see that. Uh, so whether you like it or not, I mean, I know I'm all for freedom of speech. I get that. Um, social media is just not, if you're in this kind of business, it's not your platform for that. doesn't matter if it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. And it doesn't matter what platform you put it on. Somebody can lift it. Somebody can take it out of context. So yeah, I think just writing something mean about another agent, uh, writing something where you should really be asking your broker. I mean, we see people bash other people in the industry publicly uh, or complain about things publicly and like you know your potential clients see that too and they think oh realtors are this or realtors are that and we don't we don't need that reputation right and and I say we because I feel like some camaraderie here but um uh, I'm not an agent so I can't say we yet I mean I'll probably get forced into my license down the road with my family all in it but um I do feel like yeah that's probably a big thing and there is one other thing I want to note on the the video with the drones. Drones are fun and, and they're definitely like the trendy cool thing to have right now. Uh, and I'm not saying it's great for every property, but you know, I, I get it. But the thing is, there's a lot of misinformation about what's legal, what's not. And you need to check with your association. You need to check with your brokerage and you need to check with your state law because it does differ by state and state parks are still illegal. Uh, you have to get a special filming permit. You know, you have to have your, your pilot's license. You have to have a registration. Even if you're not doing it, people say, oh, it's private property. That doesn't count. You're still in public airspace. It doesn't matter if it's under the 500 feet. It doesn't matter. Uh, there's rules in place. And so I feel like there's a lot of people out there that bought the tool and they're like, oh, it's a fun toy. I'm going to let my nephew do it or my grandson or 
you know, I've got uh, the, the neighborhood kid does it and it's, yeah, it's not just them that gets in trouble. You can be in trouble. Uh, their homeowner can get in trouble. The flight operator can be in trouble. Your broker can be in trouble and, and your state association can come down on you. So make sure you actually check the rules and don't let somebody else tell you what the rules are. Um, NAR has great resources on their site about that. I know Inman's written articles about it. So do your research um, because I just, I see that being violated daily. Uh, and, and every time I try to like get that information being like, hey, so I know it's not fun to get your pilot license. It's not fun to have to pay that, but here's, you know, case so-and-so and another case and there's, oh, no, no, it's different. It's, you know, they always have, they've always been given some sort of story about why they have an exception and they don't. Um, so that's, that's a real, I think, hot issue happening currently still. JC, I've had you way longer than I asked you to appear on the show. So I, I want to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest. If you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Uh, what, one piece of advice for a new agent in the business? I think, um, boy, my advice would be before you start speaking on all the social media, before you know, start, watch what other people are doing. Look at what the, you know, look up the Inman ambassadors and see how they post and see how they communicate with each other and understand that community. I see a lot of younger people. I'm the, I'm the president of the Austin Young Real Estate Professionals, right? So I'm in a lot of the YPN groups and I see people that will jump in there, very opinionated, and they'll start posting and kind of get a, I guess, a little bit of a reputation of being a bit of a bulldog because, or a rule breaker or, or not being informed because it didn't take the time to just read and understand the forum and follow those rules. They'll start spamming their listings right away and people immediately they start blocking you or taking you out of your timeline and you can't get back into those uh, without a lot more work than had you just been quiet for a minute and read through it. And, and by no means, I'm not saying don't jump in and introduce yourself, but just understand the etiquette before you start posting your listings or, you know, because a lot of groups have rules on what day you can post this or how we handle certain things. And. You, you need to respect that. That was in place before you got there. So respect it. And then, you know, make it your own and, and grow with it. And, and I, you know, I'm all for people that, you know, change and growth and things like that. I just, I've seen that backfire on people that go in a little too hard headed. JC, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I'm pretty findable. I think, um, I don't mind which account uh, they go through. If it's, you know, my, my Facebook messenger or uh, my email is, J-A-C-Y at Amora, A-M-O-U-R-A, productions.com. Um, I'm really good about answering my email, like probably too good about answering my email. But uh, yeah, so Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. JC, thank you so much for sharing your story. Very interesting. Continue your travels. And I can't wait to see you in New York. Thanks again for appearing on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. It was fun. It's definitely fun. I love chatting about this stuff anytime.